Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Good evening and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You're with Talk. We're on TV, we're on radio, we're online, and, of course, we're on your smart speaker. Coming up... A former Hamas chief is behind one of the groups organising the pro-Palestine Armistice Day protest, fueling further pressure for the demos to be cancelled. And one month since Hamas launched a deadly attack on Israel, Talk TV speaks exclusively to a group of mothers whose children are being held hostage by terrorists. And find out why cricket is the latest victim to fall to the green agenda. Hard to believe. Good evening and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It is, of course, your home of common sense. We've had the first King's speech in 73 years, complete with the royal carriage, procession, gun salutes and the imperial state crown. But now it's time for my message to the people. And you'll be delighted to know mine is an awful lot shorter and an awful lot more sensible. And also, it won't cost you a penny. As you might expect from the Independent Republic, I've got a much simpler set of priorities than the Prime Minister, and I'm going to lay it all out for you on this show over the next two hours. First up, let's talk about migrants. And I'm not just talking about stopping the boats here. I'm talking about why there is a massive rise in anti-Semitism on the streets of Britain. I'm talking about why we're still arguing about whether a protest march against Israel should be allowed to go ahead, even though it's being organised by people living in this country with links to a terrorist group. I'm talking about how is it possible for a former Hamas chief to buy a council house in North London after lying his way into the country? And how is it possible for Islamic fundamentalists to end up working inside the Metropolitan Police? I'm asking tonight how it's possible for a 78-year-old war veteran to be attacked in a British railway station in broad daylight by pro-Palestine activists while he was selling poppies to raise money for charity. And on tonight's show, we're going to hear from the families of children taken hostage by those monsters from Hamas one month ago. Children who are being held God knows where in dark tunnels beneath the streets of Gaza at gunpoint. Their families don't even know if they're alive. These are the questions we will have for our guests tonight, including commentator Emma Wolfe, Tory MP Jonathan Gullis and Talk TV's very own Sarah Hewson. Meanwhile, the King's speech has an entirely different set of goals to achieve before the next election. A ban on smoking, driverless buses and more drilling for oil and gas in the North Sea. And if the last one upsets the eco-zealots, all well and good. But does Rishi Sunak really think the great British people care who drives the bus they're on or whether you can have a crafty cigarette outside the pub? Let's get our priorities straight in this country. Yes, stop the boats by all means, but also stop apologising for hateful organisations and people who live here but care not a jot for our values, our traditions and our history. They say heavy is the head that wears the crown. But we'll be checking in with Royal Author Robert Jobson later on. But we want to hear from you as well. 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let's get it on. 
Well, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Emma Wolf, and we're going to get to Emma very shortly. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show on all the socials at Talk TV and on the phones, 0344-499-1000. The pro-Palestine protests, of course, plan to overshadow Armistice Day this Saturday. They still haven't been called off, and now there are questions over whether people orchestrating these demos have actual ties to Hamas. We've learned that Mohammed Sawala, who founded one of the six groups planning to march this weekend, is in fact a former Hamas chief who led the terror group in the 80s, but was allegedly involved in masterminding their military strategy as recently as 2019. Joining me in the studio, as I say, is writer and broadcaster Emma Wolf. Emma, welcome uh, to the new prime time, Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Great to see you. Post you, 9 p.m. Yes, absolutely right. I mean, we've get still the cocktails got, out. Get the cocktails out. <laughs> we may be having, uh, you know, sort of a, 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 a calendar of, uh, of events going on over the course of uh, leading up to Christmas, of course. Um, we've got lots to do. But before we get even to this dreadful connection between Hamas and these protests, there's a bit of breaking news that I want to bring uh, to everybody because there's a boy of 15 who's been stabbed to death. Uh, not in London uh, this time, it's in Leeds, near a school. Two teenagers have been arrested. Uh, it's a Horseforth School is the name of the place. The victim is a former pupil. Dozens of people have gathered for a candlelit vigil. Uh, he was attacked on uh, a street just outside the school. Uh, he's thought to be a former pupil. But it just shows you, even as we saw the King's speech today and, and measures being uh, allowed for to, to outlaw more of these knives, you know, another death, another teenager. It's just awful, isn't it? This is barely months after Eliane Adams in, in Croydon was stabbed. Mm. This, this young, young man died this afternoon in hospital, stabbed at three o'clock this afternoon. It's yeah. just unthinkable. Mm. How and why are knives still available? And why are teenage boys carrying knives to school? Why do they think that, that, that they need that? Yeah. Why, you know, why can they buy them? Quite and secondary. even as so many of them are, are, are getting injured and having life-changing injuries and being killed, you know, so many killed in London this year, yeah. and yet they're still doing it. It seems incredible. They're still doing it, and many, many investigations have shown just how easy it is, despite the government crackdown, despite what we heard today in the King's speech. You can go into, you know, supermarkets, corner shops. You can buy knives that are deadly. You can mm. buy seriously big knives, yeah. and that should not be that. Sh they should not be available. They really shouldn't. Whether they can get to banning them or not is another matter. But let's go back to uh, the big weekend that's coming up, because yeah. we've been talking about little else, really, on uh, Talk TV <laughs> over the last couple of days. Armistice weekend, you know, I'm assuming, um, not. I shouldn't ever assume your view, but I'm assuming that, like me, you think it would be incredibly unwise for these protests to go ahead. Uh, so far, the police have just said, we'd like to ask you to reconsider. Um, a lot of MPs saying they should be banned. What do you think? Mike, we have one weekend in this country mm. that is dedicated. It's not a surprise that November the 11th is coming up. We've no. known about this. Everybody's known about this. Yeah. The government knew about this. We have one weekend that is dedicated, that is sacred, to the memory, to the commemoration, to the celebration of the armistice, but to the commemoration of people who gave their lives, my father, mm. your father, grandfather, whatever, in, in the war. And this is classic Rishi Sunak drift. Mm. This is the government. If only he had taken the decision a couple of weeks ago when it became clear that these Saturday protests yeah. were not going away, right. that they were very, very controversial, very distressing mm. and very threatening for and many Jews. And very divisive as well. Very divisive and very threatening for many Jews in London and many people in London. If he had taken the decision then, it's not about banning anybody. Mm. It's about saying, not this weekend. Yes. You are not permitted to go into central London this weekend. Operationally, our police force, whatever it is, the Met Police can't cope with, you know, basic crime, mm. let alone dealing with these protests and dealing with keeping 
the capital city safe. It's just all it needed was Rishi Sunak to take that decision and to announce it. None of this nonsense from Suella Braverman right. about hate, hate marches. No. If only he could have just got control yeah. and said, no, not that weekend. Well, I mean, again, how is it that we've only just learned that it was only a few weeks ago the Sunday Times broke the story about this former uh, Hamas yeah. chief who living in Barnet, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the, the, the epicenter of, of, of Jews yeah. in, in the UK. Right. And he's got himself a council house. He came here under a false name. I think he used his brother's passport Spin to gain entry. Spin off to Moscow chatting yeah. with Putin's allies. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's probably been to Qatar to that, chat to them. Is that the kind of guy that we want to give I mean, Putin's passports to One, now? he shouldn't be here at all. But two, the fact that he's now being linked with the organisation of these protests would surely suggest... Absolutely. That, hang on a minute. If you're involved with Hamas, if you've got links to Hamas and you're organising a protest, then I'm sorry, that makes that protest illegal, doesn't it? Of course it makes that protest illegal. What on earth is this man doing in this country with British citizenship? Mm. It's just it's just a classic it kind does. of... It beggars belief. And he's, of course, not the only one. And the other thing that we now know is that there will not be, if there is a Palestine protest um, uh, out there on Saturday, it will not be the only protest, because there are now other groups who are saying, if that's what's going to happen, we're going to be out there yes. and we're going to be defending... Britain's right to have commemorative uh, days out on their own for uh, Remembrance Saturday and Remembrance Sunday. The two-minute silence is so important. You know, it it's is not important. To be it really is. With. And I don't care whether it's Saturday is the 11th and Sunday is the actual Remembrance Day and, oh, they could protest on the Saturday. No. This is our weekend. This is a British tradition, and I hope it goes on. Well, it'll always be. It'll always be the Armistice weekend. Right. And if people don't want to respect that British tr tradition... And I'm not racist, but mm. if they don't want to respect a deeply, deeply felt, the majority of the British public, can't Rishi Sunak see the majority yeah. of the British public believe this weekend should be exactly right. sacri sacrosanct? And the majority of the British public So are odd that he's so... just not making a decision. Once again, the Met Police and the government should get together. I don't care. I know one of them makes a decision and the other one legalises it or the other way around. Irrelevant. Yeah, but there's a lot of... It's so obvious there's... this is not the time yeah. and not the place, and it's going to kick off. And it the will. more, and if we ban it, we're going to provoke and inflame. And if we don't ban it, they, they feel they've won a victory. Yeah. It's just, yeah, as I say, not the time. It's an awful situation. And I have to say, as I said, at and it's the start ruined of the Remembrance show, Day weekend. Well, at the start of the show, it's already ruined Remembrance Day weekend. There's already a problem, and there's already people considering whether to come or yeah. not, which is already a big problem. But there's an awful lot of pro Palestine protests going on uh, in all parts of the world because. We've been looking around to see what's been going on. So let's have a look at what some people have been doing uh, in other parts uh, of the country. Here's a report. Over the weekend, tens of thousands of people around the world took part in various protests, either pro-Palestinians, those on the side of Israel, and some demanding a complete ceasefire in Gaza. While most protests across the globe were peaceful, some footage has captured distressing moments of anti-Semitism. With attacks still continuing between Hamas and Israel, these protests aren't expected to be slowing down soon. Let's go through some of the most chaotic scenes from over the weekend. Starting in Washington, D.C., pro-Palestine protesters flooded the gates outside the White House. A group of protesters were captured screaming, Allahu Akbar, an Arabic term that translates to God is great. However, the meaning has been intertwined with terrorism in recent decades. The Free Palestine group continued protesting at the White House by taking aim at President Joe Biden. Protesters were captured screaming anti-Biden rhetoric right outside the home of the 46th president. Protests over in Europe also saw some moments of chaotic scenes. Despite Germany issuing a ban on pro-Palestine rallies in the country, 
Tens of thousands marched in Berlin over the weekend. Some footage showed protesters marching with ISIS and Al-Qaeda flags. Over in Norway's capital Oslo, this video captured protesters stomping on an Israeli flag and drawing a swastika on it. Late on Saturday night, protesters refused to leave Trafalgar Square, causing chaos with police. Pro-Palestine protests are set to continue this weekend across the globe. However, there is heavy criticism being aimed at those who choose to march in protests, which will take place on the same day as Armistice Day. That is our international report coming in there from different parts of the world where, unfortunately, you'll see the same kind of marches, the same kind of problems, the same kind of flags, the same kind of hatred, uh, and it really, really can't continue. Let's talk now to Conservative MP Bob Seeley. Bob, um, do you think these pro-Palestine protests planned for Armistice Day should be banned? Um, my preference is that they don't take place, how that happens. Um, either the people who organise them can actually be respectful for once um, and accept that um, Saturday or indeed Sunday is not the right time for this. Um, and there is uh, Armistice Day is there for a reason to, to commemorate those people who died in two odd wars um, uh, and in between and, and wars since. Um, and you would have thought that if they had an out of common sense, they wouldn't hold this uh, protest. I would like the government to ban it. Um, I'm aware that there is an order by which this happens, and it might be that the Met have to then formally request it off the Home Secretary. So it's not just a question of Rishi clicking his hands and deciding this must happen. There are lawful processes that need to be followed. I don't know why, so I'm unclear why um, there aren't grounds to ban it. And it may be that you have to have greater evidence or a level of evidence as to their potential for disruption uh, than is currently taking place. But it would be nice if the government could find a way to ban it for sure. I, I mean, think they should. I mean, surely, um, Emma, I'll come back to you. Surely just the fact that they completely hold up the, the entire centre of London. Exactly. Um, for one thing, uh, there's likely to be a public order problem yeah. for another. And through, third, now that we know that somebody with links to Hamas is involved in organising them, Surely you don't need any more reasons to ban it, do you? I don't even think it needs to get as political as that. I think we, we, we can, you know, straightforwardly and truthfully say operationally, in terms of numbers, in terms of police resources, in terms of security and safety, keeping people safe. And for me, the broader point is that the Remembrance Weekend is meant to be a moment of calm. It's a moment of reflection and honouring people. It's about the dignity of those who gave their lives, who made the ultimate sacrifice. It's about the older generation, which is not is not commensurate with people protesting. Mm. A rally is always, whether you, you know, whether we see scenes like we saw in Berlin there, whether we see scenes like Israeli flags being stamped on, all of that kind of level of violence, or whether it's just a protest and a rally, that is not, that does not work with Remembrance Day and, no. the, and, the, and the calm and the no, cenotaph. No, it really and the, doesn't. And Bob, I mean, you know, you've, you've been a military uh, man. You know, the military people that I speak to say, look, you know, those who say, well, you know, what better thing to, to celebrate on Remembrance Day than a peaceful solution to what's happening in the Middle East. But that's not what Remembrance Sunday or Remembrance Weekend is, is it? It's a, it's a moment of reflection to remember those who didn't make it home, who basically gave their lives for this country. Yeah, it's a national day for individuals, for regiments, for everyone who served, but also the families of those people who lost um, uh, relatives in World War One uh, and World War Two, as indeed um, I suspect the many people watching will have, and indeed I, I have as well. Um, 
Uh, you're right. I, I think one of the, the unattractive things about the Palestinian protest is that considering the type of sort of hard left activist who quite often turns out to any number of these sorts of protests, it's actually pretty insulting as well. It's designed to be offensive. It's designed to say, actually, these are your values. Armistice Day is your values. They're not our values. Here are our values. And it's our anti anti-colonial struggle against hyper white Israelis, which is how they're described, which is why you have people like Diane Abbott who think that um, is, um, Jewish people can't experience racism uh, because they're the wrong color. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, uh, I think there are lots of reasons to find this weekend's potential demonstrations by the uh, by pro-Palestinians really offensive. Um, you still need to have legal grounds to ban them. Uh, I'm not quite sure why we're not there yet, but I'm not in the police and I'm not in the home um, and, I, and I'm not in the home office. So I don't know the detail of what's happening, but it would be nice to find a way to stop these things taking place. Yeah, well, it's now Tuesday night, so we're into Wednesday already. Suella Braverman um, has said this about what she thinks should happen about protecting the cenotaph. I think I've been pretty clear that these are hate marches. They are, we, I think, chanting of jihad on the streets of Britain in the 21st century is utterly despicable. If anyone were to vandalise the cenotaph, uh, they must be put into a jail cell faster than their feet can touch the ground. I mean, what's been going on, Bob, is extraordinary. We've, we've seen pictures tonight of uh, Rochdale uh, Cenotaph, which has had free Palestine sprayed on it. Um, last night, I believe, um, all the wreaths were removed and replaced with Palestinian flags. Um, uh, we had a, a, a fellow Tory MP of yours in uh, last night, uh, Bim Ofolaidu, and he was saying basically that um, he doesn't quite not understand what's going on here. He says we've got two different groups of people in this country. We've got people basically who want to celebrate and commemorate um, Armistice Day, uh, who tend to be the older, more traditional people in this country. And we've got younger, uh, more diverse people in this country who are living in this country who don't really appreciate any of that and don't care about it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I think actually the, the amount of people um, uh, amongst young people who think this is uh, a good idea, I, I wouldn't assume there is, that there's a majority at all. There's a very small minority in support of these demonstrations, um, I suspect, um, nationally. Um, and I wouldn't overestimate the numbers of people who support it. Um, and the sort of people who go out to protest, probably, I mean, some of them may have connections to Palestine, but an awful lot don't. They're sort of bog standard socialist worker, stop the war sort of coalition of the hard left uh, for whom any any enemy of the West or Israel, however repugnant their views, however misogynistic, however offensive. I mean, let's remember Hamas's uh, answer to homosexuality is imprisonment or death. They're not exactly I, I know that sort of liberal lefties tend to embrace these people, but actually considering their views, it's pretty distasteful that they do. Again, I think, look, Suella seems to be hinting that the police should be saying stuff to her. Um, and it would be nice. It would be great if the Metropolitan Police and others actually realistically thought, considering what we know about the hard left, considering what we know when they come out to hold protests, quite often they end, not always, but often they end in violence or criminal damage or graffiti over memorials or graffiti over um, uh, remembrance, uh, remembrance memorials. So I, I just hope they actually think carefully about what's going to happen next weekend and put in the request for the Home Secretary to actually ban them so we can actually ban these, uh, ban these marches next weekend. I'm, I'm, look, I'm up for it. Um, I'm frustrated as to why it's not happening. Uh, and I think it should be happening. Uh, but I, so I suspect that Suella is doing her best 
behind the scenes to try to make it happen. This is not the sort of thing that this Home Secretary is particularly wanting to support. And as you heard from what she had to say, this is a Home Secretary who is very, very keen to take action against these people. And I said this yesterday, it feels... Um from what Bob's saying, that we don't really have control of the streets. The police don't Literally. control the streets. The police are going to let something happen because they'd rather not cause it uh, to blow up into something worse. And, and Mike, the King's... Mike, we don't know that. We don't actually know that. So let's just say it's Tuesday. Let's just wait a sec. It's Tuesday. Uh, there's quite a lot of road to run until until Saturday morning. Let's see. And this happened a month ago. Yeah. And we've had these protests now for three or four Saturdays in a row. And... The Remembrance Weekend is in the diary. It's one of the big public events of the year, like the, I don't know, the coronation, yeah. the remember, the armistice commemorations. Mm. It's not, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that someone would have thought, what's going to happen on that weekend? Mm. Why is well, Suella Well, we've been Barberman, talking about it on this show but, but, for but, two but, weeks. But last week we were sitting here saying, well, why, what is Rishi Sunak doing at the Artificial Intelligence Summit? He was there for about mm. three or four days looking at the, at the King's speech today. It was like he was in a different planet talking about who's going to drive buses. Yeah. This is happening right now. Right. The country is right, in crisis. Right, right. No, no, nothing. Sorry, but Bob, why isn't Suella Braverman talking to the Prime Minister? Why isn't the Prime Minister talking to the police? This is the capital of, yeah. of the UK. Sorry, what? Okay, I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I, I really strongly suspect that these conversations are taking place. And, I mean, do you know they're not taking place? On, on what basis? Well, let's say, all right, hang on. All right, Bob, hang on. Let's say what we do know. What we do know is that Sir Mark Rowley, the chief uh, of the Metropolitan Police, asked the organisers of this march uh, if they wouldn't mind not doing it, please, which hardly seems to yeah. me to be the language that, that, was, that they should that be using in public, should it? Yeah, well, maybe that's a first start. Well, it's a all failed said, start. The more we this goes on... We, do, it, if we don't we... actually know... And to come to your point about what was Rishi doing at an AI summit, AI is one of the most important things that's happening to humanity. And for a prime minister, he has to, he can't just jump from media focus to media focus. Yeah. The no, whole he has point to deal with having, crises. Let me finish and make the point. The whole point about having long term plans, and I don't mean that in some trite soundbite, but actually looking out for the future of this country is that you have to make Big decisions on things like AI, on driverless yeah. buses, because and on, this is and the on armistice. And you also have to react. You also have doing. to react and to crises. But Bob, you yeah. also you must okay. admit, Bob, you also you have drifting. to he has to make a decision on this. And if he waits too long, it's going to look as though he was forced into it, rather than that he knew he should deal with it. And that's going to be a problem for him as well, isn't it? Now, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes, so I'll say that now. But I suspect if Mark Rowley is saying to these protesters, do you really want to be holding this? That is maybe the first step, but I would suggest it may be not the last well, step. Well, they've already said I that they're not going to stop. I agree, with, I agree with you that these things shouldn't be taking place. I'm not privy to the negotiations no, that are happening behind not. the scenes. But Bob, do you, hope, do you not agree? I hope. Do you not agree that if, if the Prime Minister had announced a couple of weeks ago that they were not permitted on the, on the Remembrance Day weekend, on Armistice weekend, that those... Protests were not going to be allowed this Saturday and Sunday. Just, just announced it in, in, yeah. in, you know, then, in consultation with the police okay. and whatever. And, that would and, have been a better solution. Okay, and then it was challenging the courts. People like you would say, why, oh, why didn't Rishi do this? And why, oh, why didn't Rishi do that? It's very, very easy to demand a politician does this or does that. 
but there are legal processes in this country. And if Rishi just said two weeks ago, it ain't happening, I suspect we would have had lawyers all over it. And we have to operate within the law. How frustrating that yeah. may be at times for people. And it's worthwhile remembering we are in a law governed state. But we've already yeah. been told by barristers, and you'll know this, you'll know plenty of barristers, that you can already say that there are laws that can put it to, to, to put a stop to it because there are plenty of things and there are plenty of reasons to put a stop to it. And if you're going to say to me that you think they might wait until the end of the week in order to not be challenged in the courts because there won't be time, then that's one sort of tactic. If they do that, then good luck to them. But I think um, the, people of, Britain, the, the people of Britain, the people of Britain, I think, deserve better is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're preaching to the converted here. I think it should happen. I don't know why it's not happening, but you're making assumptions about processes that I wouldn't norm that I wouldn't suggest are, are, are we, I don't know if they're accurate or yeah. not. And I suspect there are things going on behind the scenes to to um, to process this and push this issue along until we get a resolution. I agree. I wish they're not happening. But if you want to shout at somebody, you're shouting at somebody who's agreeing with you. I'm not shouting at I'm you. Honestly, shouting. Bob, that's not shouting. Well, next time we'll, yeah. we, we'll shout at you next time. I want to hear me shout. Questions. Thank you very much indeed. Very civilised. Thank you. Bob Seely, MP there, uh, on the subject of whether or not this goes ahead. But you're right, Emma. I mean, I just you know, feel I this take goes your on point. until Friday night. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back to this because right now uh, we're going to take a short break. You're watching the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nearly two years on uh, from Putin's invasion uh, with fears of a stalemate growing, of course. Uh, do the British people still support the war effort? I think they've forgotten all about it, haven't they? Welcome back. You're watching the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Emma Wolfe is still with me. Emma, uh, you might be forgiven to think that there was a King's speech today um, because still, for me, you know, the most overriding and most important story right now yeah. is what's going on about the March of the Weekend, yeah. what we're going to be doing about it. I've got a text here from, uh, from somebody who's basically saying to me, you know, what on earth um, are they doing in government? Why have we not heard from Steve Khan? You know, what's he said about it? You know, Mark Rowley is waiting for somebody to tell him that it's banned because yeah. he can't ban it. He's he can't saying, ban it. He's saying he the can't ban it. The Home Secretary appears to be completely toothless. Yeah. She's saying this stuff. Right. Nothing's happening. Right. Sadiq Khan is allegedly the mayor of London. He does all, all sorts of London. He's in but charge he's of the cops as well. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he could ban it if he wanted to, but we'll come back to that. But instead, we had, instead um, we had... the first King's speech, apparently, for 73 years um, of King Charles. Um, telling us what his government was going to do. He doesn't look that comfortable to me doing it. We'll have a look at him doing it in a minute. Um, but they started talking about, you know, a bit of sort of what I would call small potatoes justice. Yeah. You know, apparently it's now illegal to take pictures of naked people naked without their permission. <laughs> I thought it was anyway. Uh, it, now apparently they're going to uh, make it possible for, for people to be forced to go to their sentencing hearing, you know, which again is something that they only changed recently. Yeah. Um, they're going to talk about banning smoking uh, altogether. They're going to try and convince people that they should get on a bus with, with no driver. I mean, you'd wonder whether they're in some kind of limbo land that nobody it really understands. It felt like they were in a parallel universe. Yeah. They weren't living in the world where people are really worried about the winter, really worried about yeah. the cost of living, really worried about not being able to find their houses, mm. but also really worried about what's happening on the streets of Britain right yeah, now. Absolutely. Right here, right now. And also what's happening in the Middle East. Well, another stabbing of another teenager. Another you know. stabbing. Exactly. It's kind of people, real people's lives. Mm. Um, it was a very odd King, uh, King speech. Everything was chucked in. Apparently it was the most words since 2005 and the fewest bills since 2014. Yeah. So it was pretty, we only know pretty these much things nothing. Because it was so dull. Because it was somebody, so dull that we were Googling away. Up with some reasons why it was newsworthy. Let's looking have a look. for something to say. Should we have a look at King Charles uh, and how he puts the thing together? My government will continue to take action to bring down inflation, 
to ease the cost of living for families and help businesses fund new jobs and investments. My government will invest in Network North to deliver faster and more reliable journeys between and within the cities and towns of the North and Midlands. Steps will be taken to ensure young people have the knowledge and skills to succeed through the introduction of the advanced British standard that will bring technical and academic routes into a single qualification. My government will introduce legislation to create a smoke-free generation by restricting the sale of tobacco so that children currently aged 14 or younger can never be sold cigarettes. My government will, keep, will act to keep communities safe from crime, antisocial behaviour, terrorism and illegal migration. A bill will be brought forward to ensure tougher sentences for the most serious offenders and increase the confidence of victims. My ministers will introduce legislation to empower police forces and the criminal justice system to prevent new or complex crimes such as digital enabled crime and child sexual abuse, including grooming. I mean, buses, cigarettes. Um... Bringing down the cost of living while he's wearing, literally the dude is wearing right. 50 diamonds on his head and he's yeah. surrounded by dripping gold. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the pageantry, <laughs> to be honest. I really don't care about that. But no, I mean, but... Uh, all of these characters sitting around dressed in the ermine and all sort of nodding I sagely. A Rishi Sunak there. Um, yeah. While he's kind of ignoring everything Almost, that's going on well, outside. Is, I mean, you can't imagine he's sitting there thinking, this is great, this will be my yeah. legacy. Yeah. I would have banned smoking, I would have brought in um, buses that don't need a driver. This is my um, legacy. <laughs> and I'm going to make sure that migration, illegal migration is stopped. I mean, even Charles didn't really sound as if he meant it. Oh, the, the five pledges have kind of disappeared, yeah, haven't sorry, they? They the weren't really pledges? in there. Yeah. But as for this, this, this smoking thing, yeah. right? So they've invented the most complicated and convoluted system whereby, I, don't, I still don't understand it, every year it becomes illegal for 14-year-olds or lower to yeah. ever buy cigarettes, right. right? So your big brother can smoke, but you can't. Right. I don't understand why they don't just either make it illegal yeah. or just make I've it really clear this. or something. Yeah, because they... Smoking is vile. I don't want my three-year-old. I'm, I'm an ex-smoker. Yeah. I love cigarettes. Yeah, I will too. never smoke again. I can't, blah, 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 smoking is dreadful. Yeah. I don't want my three-year-old ever to smoke. Fine. But make it illegal or something. Yeah. It's as though some mathematician or some spad has got this idea. Okay, so every year the age of smoking, oh, it raises, yeah. you raise the legal age by one year every, every year. Every year. What? Yeah. I mean, apparently the theory behind it, from what I'm told, uh, is that they think that if you've never been able to take up smoking, then you will never but, then uh, go and buy cigarettes. But all the kids are vaping. But all the kids are vaping, and also kids have always smoked and always will smoke. Yeah. They will always get hold of cigarettes. Yeah. And there's a far, you know, I've got some news for Rishi Sunak. I'm sorry to say this, Rishi, but there are things got, such as black market cigarettes yeah. that people buy that are smuggled here from other parts of the world and sold for a lot less than they sell in the tobacconist shop. Or getting, so, them, getting them you off know, your mate who's 19. You know, the kids are not going down to the corner shop and asking for 20 Dunhill, are they? They're not going you know. and buying a cigarette and pretending it's no. for their dad and like they And they're buying used to. tobacco and rolling the cigarettes and God knows and what. And mixing goodness knows what in. Well, they're smoking quite a lot of cannabis yes, as well, which is also but illegal. openly, openly, which outside is, the supermarket yeah. today, a guy was literally smoking a spliff. 
But he might in as well be. Air. But he was. He might as well be. Because no one cares. Like get arrested for it. Of course he's not. But it's illegal. So what's the point of making cigarettes illegal? I don't, I don't It'll just force it. them underground. You'll still be able to buy them. And I mean, surely to God, uh, he should have had something a bit more substantive in there. Yeah. Even if it was just to give us an idea that he knows there's an election coming up and he'd quite like to give us something back. Yeah. Like a tax break, maybe. Well, yeah, now all eyes. I mean, that was such a damp squib, the King's speech. So I think all eyes now on the autumn statement. And are they going to do anything there? Are they going to give voters anything there? No, it doesn't look like it because it doesn't look as if as people are starting to say that at the end of the day, Rishi Sunak doesn't really have a leadership bone in his body. No. He's a manager uh, and he was a chancellor and, I think, and he's quite good at handling other people's money. Yeah. And I think that was his first and his last King's speech mm. for him. Yeah. You know, I, I can't see how they're going to turn this around. I know most voters are, don't give a damn about the next election. They're not thinking about it right now. But I think that he needs to do something to turn this around. And um, he doesn't seem to have a clue. And when there is a public, a real, a real public issue that people feel very strongly about and are actually talking about in the pubs and down the dog and duck and whatever, yeah. he, he seems to go AWOL. Yeah. And Bob Seeley can defend him as much as he likes, but he spent... Three or four days at that AI summit yeah. with the with the tech growth. And that may well be the most no, serious threat to but mankind. Right but not now. As you said last week, it was in the diary, and he sort of thought, okay, we'll do that. Yeah. And also AI, you know, this isn't something that he can suddenly get control of. He can't even turn back the boat. Exactly right. Unbelievable. Emma, great to see you. Thank you very much indeed. It runs, it goes too quickly. Emma yeah, Wolf, you'll be back too soon. Too much ranting, though, I'm, I'm sure. sorry. You're watching the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Coming up in a Talk TV exclusive, we'll hear from three heartbroken mothers as they plead for the return of their family members kidnapped by Hamas. It's all coming next. Good evening. You're watching the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk. We're on TV, we're on radio, we're online, and we're on your smart speaker. Tonight, a former Hamas chief is behind one of the groups organising the pro-Palestine Armistice Day protest, fueling further pressure for the demos to be cancelled. And a raft of new laws, including measures on oil and gas licences and moves to phase out cigarette smoking, have been included in today's King's speech. Christmas travel, meanwhile, has been saved, according to the government. Unions are ordered to keep trains running uh, under new plans to stop strikes derailing the festive period. Coming up in this hour, we're going to be talking to Robert Jobson, royal author, of course, and journalist. And we'll also be finding out from David Maddox what he made uh, of the King's speech. He's with the uh, of the Express online. Don't forget, you can get in touch with the show on all the socials at Talk TV and on the phones, 0344-499-1000. We'll also be looking up uh, what is going on on the front pages of the papers. We'll bring you a first look at all of those. But we've got The Sun already, uh, because The Sun is the first paper we get hold of here. And you can see the front page there. They've gone with girls again, band reunited uh, with single dedicated to Sarah Harding, who died of cancer tragically in 2021, aged just 39. Apparently, uh, they've been secretly recording at a North London studio. Uh, they've been shooting a music video for their first single in 11 years. So, uh, if you like that sort of thing, that's what's on the front page of The Sun. Also, uh, they've got the first King's speech in many a year, 73 years. The Prime Minister plots a vape tax. So now, let us talk about the first King's speech since 1950. It might have depressed some of you, realising how much the country has changed since then. Uh, but if you did stick it out, the King detailed the government's three-category plan, strengthening society, growing the economy and keeping people safe. My government will continue to take action to bring down inflation, to ease the cost of living for families and help businesses fund 
new jobs and investment. My government will invest in Network North to deliver faster and more reliable journeys between and within the cities and towns of the North and Midlands. Steps will be taken to ensure young people have the knowledge and skills to succeed through the introduction of the advanced British standard that will bring technical and academic routes into a single qualification. My government will introduce legislation to create a smoke-free generation by restricting the sale of tobacco so that children currently aged 14 or younger can never be sold cigarettes. My government will, keep, will act to keep communities safe from crime, antisocial behaviour, terrorism and illegal migration. A bill will be brought forward to ensure tougher sentences for the most serious offenders and increase the confidence of victims. My ministers will introduce legislation to empower police forces and the criminal justice system to prevent new or complex crimes such as digital enabled crime and child sexual abuse, including grooming. I don't know about you, but I switched off about halfway through that, I have to say. Uh, joining me now uh, to discuss much of what was said, particularly those of the Express Online, uh, David Maddox, and the Royal Editor, of course, the one and only Robert Johnson. David, um, let me start with you. You've written a piece already based on this, saying Rishi Sunak's just used the King's speech to lay six traps for Keir Starmer to walk right into. Do tell. What traps has he laid? Yes, uh, first of all, I just want to say how pleased I am to uh, follow on from a fellow Dave from Essex, your last <laughs> caller, which, uh, and actually I agree with yeah, a lot of what he said. Yes. And, uh, you know, and in fact, the mediocrity of our political class that he was speaking about was very much reflected in today's King's speech. I mean, my point is that they kept on going on about uh, long-term decisions for a brighter future, and that they had this kind of slogan since the party conference. And actually, there was no long-term decisions. There's no vision for the future. It was all very short-termism, some of which I, I have to say I liked personally, and I'm sure Express readers liked. But it was all about the next election, you know, and setting various traps for Starmer to create some difference between our political parties. But tragically, there isn't much difference, really, is there? Because the way that both of them are going, um, it's going to be a battle for who could be the most unpopular. Robert Jobson, you've seen many a Queen's speech in your time. First King's speech, really. I know uh, he, he, he sort of substituted for his mum uh, and his mother last last year. But um, I mean, a lot of pageantry, a lot of uh, a lot of expense was 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 uh, was was paid for it. Um, a lot of tradition there, uh, and the imperial crown was back. What did you make of it? Well, he, he did his job. The politicians got him to read what they wanted him to read. I agree with what uh, what was just said there. I mean, it was very short term, but he looked quite grumpy. He, he had a slip up in the middle of the speech as well, yeah. which the Queen didn't really used to do. Um, but he, he looked quite miserable. I thought the actual pomp and pageantry that the BBC makes so much of was done very well. It was all well rehearsed. But in some areas around the Commonwealth realms, etc., I'm sure they'll be saying... How much is being spent on all this, and um, is it really necessary? I mean, I, you know, I think we've had quite a lot of theatre lately. We've had jubilees, funeral, royal funerals, coronations. You know, we do it well, but I, you know, I, I just think um, really when he he didn't 
he didn't look particularly happy about reading out the speech because I think he doesn't necessarily agree with a lot of what he was reading. No, and I suppose that's where he finds himself now, doesn't he? Because, I mean, a bit like Boris Johnson, uh, he always wanted to be Prime Minister. Charles always wanted to be King. But now he's got the job, he's realised it might not be all it was cracked up to be. <laughs> well, maybe, but, I mean, I think he knows that the... I think his favourite play is uh, uh, Henry V, where, you know, Prince Hal's a bit different to Henry V. Yeah, they're two very different jobs, and he knows the limitations. But, you know, William's making great... Uh, Getting good reaction on the Earthshot Prize was his way out in Singapore, and I think that the the king, you know, he knows he's got a job to do, but you know, I do think that um, he thinks there's big issues on, uh, out there at the moment, you know, bigger issues than what's been really put out there in this king's speech, king's speech, such as he's, he is at least going to COP28 in Egypt. And he's going to have, you know, he's going to be quite, it's going to be quite an important move for him there when he's going to be making a, a more powerful speech. So um, maybe he's had a few good speeches lately that he's made and maybe Rishi's was a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, but that, but that is the problem, isn't it? I mean, David, in terms of Rishi Sunak's style, a lot of people were saying today that this is kind of um, the culmination of his managerial kind of year in charge where not very much <laughs> has happened. Not very many bold decisions have been made. And basically, if the best he can do is talk about buses that don't need a driver and smoking <laughs> uh, for teenagers being banned, you know, is that really where we are now with the Tory party? Is that is that the great vision that we can expect for the next 10 years? Well, th th there was nothing there to kind of get Conservative voters to run to the barricades again and say, I'm going to... I, I forgive everything. I forgive ousting of Boris. Let's go and vote for the Conservative Party again. You know, one third of Conservative voters from 2019 have decided not to vote next time. That's yeah. where we are at the moment. That's why Labour have a 20 point lead. And there was nothing in that uh, speech which would uh, really do it. I mean, you know, there's some good things uh, which I'm sure annoyed the King, like... Um, like, like pushing ahead with the Rwanda stuff, although I didn't mention the word Rwanda, but I mean, it was implied in the speech, uh, like uh, rolling back a bit on net zero, but only a bit. You know, it wasn't a, a kind of wholesale change, really. You know, they're delaying it for five years or so. You know, it's uh, so there, there was there was kind of small measures. There was some nice kind of lines like life will mean life and all this sort of business, which, you know, it's a bit of red meat. Uh, to try and please a few conservative voters. But, uh... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves... Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I saw nothing there that really is going to excite anybody. I'm actually surprised the King stayed awake for the full 15 minutes of having to read it. I felt a little <laughs> bit sorry for him. And, uh, you know, actually, to be honest, I think the... The pageantry uh, is well worth the money because it's 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 the only entertainment we're going to get from uh, from that show. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it? I mean, it was so dull that one of the highlights was that it was one of the longest speeches that, uh, that any monarch had made uh, since the days of Tony Blair. But at least Tony Blair's ones were quite interesting. Yeah, it was a bit like the accountant reading out the uh, <laughs> reading out the sort of results, wasn't it? Really, yeah. but no, no, the king has to read it out. That's the job. But I agree actually with what David's saying. The pageantry, although I've sort of knocked it a little bit, was quite, you know, it was quite interesting really. And in, in that respect, but the BBC do go a bit overboard on it. They get overly excited on it. But the fact that when I watched it on there, but I do think that um, there's disagreements between the king and Rishi. I think that they he had a good start with him. You know, um, after Liz Truss effectively banned the king from going to COP, um, Rishi decided after he wasn't going to go that he could go. And, and so the king, you know, so Rishi went in, in his place and this year he's been allowed to go to COP. So I think the king, after an initial, <laughs> after an initial wobble, after all the uh, unelected prime ministers have come in after Boris, um, uh, he's probably quite looking forward to the election. <laughs> <laughs> he probably is. How do you think he's going to get on with Keir Starmer if that was to be the, the, the choice that the public uh, made? I think he'd get on all right with Keir Starmer. Sir Keir Starmer, yeah, knight of, of the realm, isn't he? Yeah. he? I know he tried to hide that, but he is he one. He does. Um, but, um, yeah, I think he'll get on quite well with him. I think that, um, remember when the King was at uh, university, uh, he, he wanted to join the Labour Party, so it should be quite fun. I mean, incredible stuff. Um, David, let me come back to you, because we want to talk about these automated vehicles and the automated vehicles mm-hmm. bill. I mean, Rishi Sunak seems obsessed with AI. He seems obsessed with putting you in a car that you don't have to drive and obsessed with putting you in a bus uh, where there's nobody driving that either. But I've got some bad news for him, because there's been a, a, um, uh, an actual kind of experimental bus which has been running up in Fife in Scotland, which is apparently occasionally without a driver, even though they keep somebody on hand just in case it all goes horribly wrong. And they've now just decided they're going to cancel it because it doesn't work very well. Remember, you haven't got a human at the, at the wheel. Uh, it doesn't tend to do what you expect it to do, you know. Uh, there, there is an American comedy, I forgot what it is, which deals with this and, uh, uh, and uh, kind of goes through the absolute disaster of these driverless vehicles. I suppose, actually, with all the strikes which are taking place, one way of avoiding needing to put in too tough a legislation on the, stri- on the minimum service to deal with the strikes would be to have automated trains, so, you know, trains uh, driven by AI. And maybe that's what he's got in mind uh, to uh, to try and uh, cut out the unions a bit. But, you know, it, it, a lot of it's kind of a lot of it's for the birds in that respect. As I say, I, I just wonder really if we're never, we're ever going to see the real Rishi come out. If, if, uh, if maybe if he manages to win an election, if this King's speech helps somehow trigger an election win, we're going to see some big vision coming out of him. Because as you say, it's been a managerial year. It started off with these kind of five pledges, which nobody was very excited about. And then the government struggled to actually achieve. 
uh, and has ended up with uh, a King's Speech, which nobody's very excited about, and, and everybody's wondering if they're actually going to see it through. So um, yes. we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's all very underwhelming, really, isn't it? Meanwhile, um, let's go back to the royals, because, Robert, I wanted to show you a little clip of, um, of Prince Harry. Um, he was in the news earlier this week, of course, on his private jet trip to see Katy Perry uh, with, the, with the lovely Meghan. Um, he's now decided to try his hand, I think, at stand-up comedy. Um, I'm not sure whether you've seen this already, but have a look at this. I haven't seen it, no. As someone who never gets scrutinised, I haven't even had to prepare much. But out of an abundance of caution, I have been working on this particular act for quite some time, and everyone I know tells me it's perfect. Now, he's got all his medals on there, and he's got uh, a sort of Remembrance Day gear on. He's basically uh, sending a message to some event that he couldn't make it to, because presumably he couldn't borrow somebody's private jet. Um, um, he's, he's having a bit of a rough old time, is Harry, isn't he? Um, he reminds me, Ed, uh, when I saw that clip, I never saw the link before, but he reminds me of a young... Prince Edward. Yes. Remember when Edward could, he, he fluffed his lines at the Royal Marines and yeah. then he um, went into work for Lloyd Webber. Yes. Uh, the way he was speaking there was very similar to the, you know when he used to deliver those documentaries. It's slightly pompous, a little bit condescending. Not sure why he's wearing his medals to do this thing anyway. But look, Harry, you know, he's, he's now um, you know despite inheriting twenty odd million from his mum. And God knows how many handouts from his dad is um, is somebody that has got a own living now, and he's obviously been taking acting lessons from Megan. Maybe he can get himself in a Netflix docu, you know, docu drama or something. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? I mean, he's obviously now going to miss his father's birthday, isn't he? And he's not happy about that, apparently. Yeah, um, shocking. But man. what does he I expect? Mean, well, well, what does he expect? But I mean, you know, I think that his dad. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you're a dad, Mike. You know what it's like. The reality is that you, you can't get on with all your kids at the same time. Thankfully, I only got one, and that's a struggle to always <laughs> get on with him. But the, the fact is, it's terrible that he's missing his dad's 75th birthday. I think he should be ashamed of himself. Yeah, absolutely right. Because, you know, there are some things that you can fix, and if you leave them too long, they're not fixable at the end of the day. I don't think this is fixable, Mike. I mean, because... I think the book, although he didn't attack his father that much, it certainly attacked his stepmother and his brother. Mm. And so, you know, how many awkward silences do they want around the dinner table for yeah. a, the King's 75th? I don't suppose that that would go down too well, would it? Would it? No, I don't think it would. Robert, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. David, just one final one for you. So, I mean, we were told that this was one of the great opportunities for Rishi Sunak to make uh, his, his name and to give us something to look forward to. He's managed to fail to do that. Uh, what about um, uh, the, the financial statement, the autumn statement coming up with Jeremy Hunt? Um, is he going to be any better? I, I fear not, but uh, in many ways, the autumn statement is probably the last big chance that they've got because they're going to at least have to signal tax cuts in that. If they don't do that, they may as well, uh, well, they can kiss goodbye to any hope of uh, winning the next election. I know that the uh, Conservative MPs for, for months now have been looking more towards the autumn statement than they were the King's speech. Jeremy Hunt, though, has been kind of suggesting that he won't be doing any tax cuts. He can't afford it. Obviously, can't see obvious places to cut spending, which mm. uh, virtually anybody else can. But it's, uh, <laughs> you know, if if he doesn't deliver, I, th I think it's curtains. And not even very expensive curtains for him either. Which no, exactly. Uh, he's exactly. just put into Downing Street. But listen, guys, maybe they'll have another change. Maybe they'll have another late change of the leadership, <laughs> David. 
Oh, yeah, we might as well have well, some it's, fun. Well, it's, it's always possible. Don't rule anything out. I mean, almost anything's possible this lot, isn't it? Robert Johnson, <laughs> thank you very much. David Maddox as I well. Um, brilliant. I mean, th- th- this is the paucity of, of, of hope that we have in our political system. You know, we have no real idea what Rishi Sunak believes in. We certainly don't know what Sir Keir Starmer believes in. And we've just been offered what can only be described as some kind of menu uh, of complete and utter kind of mediocrity. Ridiculous ideas about banning cigarettes and putting vape prices up so that kids don't smoke them anymore, which is not going to work. The idea that putting some kind of tough-on-crime stamp on everything you're going to do is going to make a difference to people uh, whose shops are getting raided every single day and who are getting mugged in the street for their watches or their phones or whatever else, if their cars are getting stolen and nobody comes to see them. It's a bit of a tragedy at the moment, I'm afraid. When you're watching the Independent Republican Mike Graham, find out what's happened to the family of Captain Sir Tom Moore after a decision was made on controversial plans to build a spa complex using money donated in his name. That's coming next. Welcome back. You're watching the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The decision is in, ladies and gentlemen. Captain Tombaugh's family have three months to demolish the controversial luxury spa built in his name. Hannah Ingram Moore and her husband lost the planning application appeal for the complex in their garden. And last month, the family explained their choices to Piers Morgan uncensored. I think we absolutely didn't intend it to be the Captain Tom Foundation. And it shouldn't have been, and we should have checked it, and we should have made sure it didn't say that. So we completely accept responsibility for it, because the purpose of the building is multi-purpose for office use, for Mm. meetings. And when you look at the part where we've covered that pool, we could have left it uncovered. We could. And, And hindsight says that we probably should have. Um, so we have to accept that we made a decision and it was probably the wrong one. Probably, yeah, I'd say probably. Um, joining me to discuss this, writer, broadcaster, Candice Holdsworth, Conservative MP, Jonathan Gullis, uh, a research fellow at the Bow Group, Ben Lochnane. Uh, welcome to all of you. I mean, I can see you're all um, absolutely devastated by this news that, uh, that poor old Hannah is going to have to get rid of the spa complex that she so lovingly put together in order for the community to be able to come to their house and swim whenever they felt like it. Because one of the things that she actually tried to get away with saying was that basically the reason they built this huge complex and this spa was not just because they wanted to have a nice time at the weekend. It was because it was for everybody else in the town who could not really afford to join a spa, but who could come and swim. I don't think anybody bought any of that, did they? <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's just how shameless she is. Yeah. The polar opposite of her father. Yeah. I mean, if you could have two more disparate characters, I mean, it's like something out of a Charles Dickens yeah. novel or something. Yeah, well, all through this story, I've had this vision in my head of poor old Captain Tom walking around the garden, getting finally to the sort of the 10th turn and going, I'm a bit tired. Never mind that. Keep going. (laughs) Just keep going. We need to make more money. Got to get that spa built. You know, it's not going to build itself. It was so so important for the community, Mike, that the community didn't even know about it. (laughs) Not even the council knew about it, obviously, until they had it uncovered. So, you know, of course, we have to supposedly take people at face value. But... uh, what a what a shameless thing to have done I know. to have tarnished the legacy to have tarnished of a brave of a hero to yeah. this nation at a time when we really needed inspiration and actually he's done so much good and so you know I hope the Captain Tom Foundation does get back on its feet you know yeah. it does continue to do good work because it shouldn't be brought down by the reckless actions of uh, but I of think unfortunately daughter. for these people they've kind of disqualified themselves from running it haven't they I mean the yeah, Sun's got absolutely. a great front, uh, great page uh, seven lead on this and they've got a great headline rubble bath. 
And when you look at the spa block, I mean, this is not a small house they've got. 1.2 million quid wow. uh, is the mansion they've got up there in uh, Bedfordshire. Um, Marston Mortain. I'm not familiar with that part of the world, but I mean, it's quite a big house. But the spa block is nearly the same size. Yeah, it's outrageous. I mean, yeah. it's beyond satire almost. It's yeah. Like when you watch that video, she goes, we probably shouldn't have built a massive jacuzzi. Probably not. For <laughs> no. What do you think? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But maybe, you know, they'll come out next week and say it was his last wish. He told right. us, we really want you to have a jacuzzi, right. Hannah. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. no one's thought That probably wasn't his last wish. Also, no. we already know that in, in several of the books that were published in his name, in the forward to those books, he wanted the money to go to charity. And in that interview with Piers Morgan, they specifically said, oh, no, he always said he didn't want the money from the books to go to charity. He wanted it to come to the family. And it's like, it's literally written in the book, you know? Sociopathic. It, it really is, is bizarre, isn't it? Very, yeah. very strange. But, of course, you can't quite believe how gullible some people are or generous. I mean, I don't know which side of that one you want to be on. Yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised at how willing people are to give money to causes. Um, without even really thinking about what's going to happen to the money afterwards. Yeah. I think a lot of people saw, just because of the huge amount that was going in, to think, you know, if these people are raising 30 million quid or so, plus, oh, yes. I mean, are, is, is all of that going to go to the NHS? For such a huge sum of money, you need proper due diligence. I mean, you need a board managing right. a charity with that right. amount of money. And what was the Charity Commission doing, Jonathan? I mean, you know a bit about these regulatory type things. I mean, what, well, what, I, what on earth are they doing? Types, Mike, is that they get lots of powers, but actually ministers seem to have very little overview and scrutiny. In fact, we're regularly told that we have to be hands-off with these type of things. Right. But when everything goes wrong, it comes back on our step uh, down in Parliament yeah. to fix it up. I mean, look, I, I'm with you. Uh, how on earth there's not been proper oversight over the finances and it's been allowed to get that far in the process before someone's gone, this doesn't seem to yeah. add up, is yeah. bewilders me. I'm also quite shocked, quite frankly, that, you know, something that big and odious has somehow managed to evade council authorities yeah. or yeah. neighbours until someone's obviously finally rumbled them. I right. mean, it's quite shocking. Really. It is absolutely shocking. And I mean, it seems to be an awful waste of money as well, really, because presumably they paid for it. Um, somebody's built it. Um, I don't know what happens then. Do you then get permission to build a smaller one, or what do you do? I'm not sure, actually. It's just such a colossal waste of cash. Yeah. It's a folly, as you say, built to, to the sort of vanity of this family yeah. who thought that they could just do what they liked with the money they'd co they collected. Yeah, yeah, and as you were saying, you know, the Captain Moore Foundation, it should continue, it should, you know, continue to do good work. Yeah. But I think the family shouldn't be involved as you know, yeah. in the way that they are now. No. It should be taken over by a sort of impartial uh, committee or a group who can oversee it and continue to do good yeah. work and use that money for mm. good. Because it's and not, not clear exactly, I mean, how much more money there still is knocking around. I presume yeah. there's still quite a lot. Well, what we know is that Captain Tom was obviously uh, a veteran. Yeah. We know that the NHS has assigned that member of the Armed Forces uh, Covenant. Why don't we get a mixture of NHS leaders and uh, veterans charities yeah. to actually take over this organisation and target this money to support veterans, particularly yeah. with mental health, mm. and make sure they get the support they need. And like, as, absolutely yeah. as Ben says, the family should be nowhere near yeah. this charity. No, yeah. they really should. Yeah. And talking of veterans, I mean, we're coming up to Remembrance uh, Sunday, Remembrance mm. Weekend. Jonathan, I know you've been tweeting about this march, which is supposed to be happening. You know, we were talking to Bob Seeley earlier. He was saying, well, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. But it seems ludicrous, does it not, that everybody's kind of standing back and saying, well, the police are going, well, we can't really ban it. We haven't really got the laws to do that. Um, Richie Sunak doesn't seem to be saying very much at all. So, well, and Braverman's saying, you know, I'd like the police to ask me to ban it, effectively. I mean, what's, what's going to happen? So, Mike, very simple. Number one, these should absolutely be banned. There's yeah. 363 other days of the year that people can protest. Yeah. 
our Mister's Day and Remembrance Sunday are uh, so important to our yeah. nation. You know, I lost friends in Afghanistan. I've had uh, family serve mm. in the Suez crisis. Yeah. In fact, my great great uncle is a D-Day veteran who survives to this day. Now, this day is about those fallen heroes, men and women, yeah. who gave their life in the line of duty, as well as those who fell, whether those be in the coal mines mm. of our community as well, not just those at home, yeah. in training exercises. And secondly, so Mar- uh, Mark Rowley is being a coward. Mm. I'm sorry, he yeah. can refer this to the Home Secretary tonight and yeah. say, can I get permission to cancel this? Yeah. And to hide behind every excuse under the sun is pathetic yeah. and embarrassing. He's brought shame upon, uh, uh, upon the Met Police. And in the fact now we've got PCSOs having to guard a memorial in Rochdale yes. to our fallen Where heroes, somebody's written free graffitied. And as I say, sorry, very quickly, this is why James Sunder and I brought in the desecration of War Morals Bill, which was yeah. adopted by the government and went into law in 2022. Mm. And we were mocked by Labour MPs saying, oh, you just want to defend statues. This is some sort of culture war. It's not really happening. And lo and behold, here we are seeing free Palestine sprayed over a memorial to our fallen heroes. It makes me angry beyond belief. And also with the reports that came out in The Telegraph this morning that possibly this former Hamas operative is helping organise these marches. Oh, yeah, the bloke from Collindale. Yeah, yeah, living in Barnet. You're living in Barnet in a council house that he bought. I mean, we're also seeing, I mean, incredible scenes. I think all of us have been quite shocked. This is Edinburgh uh, where the... um, the, uh, the the British Legion guy was uh, the former parachute regiment um, veteran was attacked for simply trying to collect money for the poppy appeal. Yeah. Dressed as he is in his uh, uh, you know his full parachute regiment regalia. I mean, I find it shocking, Jonathan. I've said this to a lot of people this week, and Ben I'd like your view on this as well. Um, I've said this to a lot of people this week that I've been really surprised at how Britain has reacted, and I know that. Some people will say, well, it's not all of Britain, it's part of Britain, and, and it's the, the, you know, the, 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 the conversation that dare not speak its name. It's an awful lot of people that have come here from foreign countries yeah. who happen to be, um, you know, unhappy about Britain, unhappy about mm-hmm. Britain's history, unhappy about Britain's traditions, unhappy about the British Empire, unhappy probably about poppy wearing, and these are the people who are causing all the trouble. Yeah, it's outrageous. And we know that they have the uh, instrumentation in place to stop these protests from happening because during the coronation, they did stop. Them. Yeah. So it's, there's no excuse of we can't do this. We don't have the police for we don't have the people. Although, to there. be fair, during yeah. that time, they stopped them from demonstrating on the mall, but they still allowed them into Trafalgar yeah. Square. Well, th- there could be an argument to be said to keep them away from the cenotaph, yeah. you know, put them in Hyde Park or something. But I do think when it comes to war memorials... How about Exeter? Yeah, about, I mean, you know, that's yeah. far enough away, isn't it? I mean, nothing yeah. against Exeter, by the way, but, you know... How about just, Rwanda? Yeah, or Rwanda. <laughs> how about, you know, go and demonstrate somewhere outside of London. Um, but, but you're right, Jonathan, they shouldn't be demonstrating at all. 363 other days of the year they can do it. And the other problem for me is how much longer are they going to do this? Are they going yeah. to demonstrate every Saturday Looks for the like rest it. of time? Looks well, I like think it. it's, it's exhausting now, isn't it? Look, people have made their point. Of course, no one wants to see lives lost on either side of this conflict. But Hamas are holding 200, particularly women and children, as hostage. Israel has a right mm. to defend itself. And when everyone keeps moaning and groaning at the Israeli uh, uh, defence forces about what they're doing, and they say, well, we need to be more proportionate, what does proportionate mean to these yeah, people? Right. If, they, if uh, Israel does have a ceasefire and Hamas continues attacking right. or keeping hostages, what does the Israeli defense yeah. forces do then? Yeah. No one answers those questions no. because ultimately what they are is shamelessly excusing what has happened yeah. to, on October the 7th, which is some of the most disgusting images yeah. any of us, I'm sure, have seen in our lifetime. Yeah. And, uh, and Israel, therefore, has every right to take what it needs to do. Mm. And as you say, for the Armistice Day and Remembrance Sunday, 
I'm sorry, this is an important part of our nation's history. And what clearly needs to happen much more in schools, instead of focusing on woke ideology and pushing, uh, you know, this gender madness mm. or, you know, uh, white privilege nonsense that we mm. see far too often in our schools, let's actually reflect on the history of our communities, the men and women who gave their lives to ensure mm. that we have the freedoms that we enjoy today. Yeah. I'm sick to the back teeth of it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. And I mean, I was watching um, an, an Israeli government spokesman today talking about Hamas and talking about the United Nations and their uselessness. And he said, you know, we're not going to sit here and wait for the UN to fax Hamas and ask them to stop holding hostages. We're going in to get them. Yeah. And that's what we would do. You know, if we were in this position, the SAS would be involved. We'd be sending people to get the hostages. Yeah. You wouldn't be waiting and going, oh, would you mind awfully, you know, letting some people go? And, you know, all these calls for a ceasefire, what is really absent is when are they going to return the hostages? Yeah. There's no balance there. It's no. clearly anti-Israel. And I know I made that point earlier. What worries me is you've got people who are possibly still working with Hamas. We don't know. Mm. And they're using these marches for their own political and military objectives. Yeah. And is there no law to prevent that? Yeah. Well, there that is. just carry because on? Because I've spoken to barristers this week, and, and Ben, you'll know this. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of laws yeah. that apply to these people. And that's before yeah. you think about whether or not they're being organised by suspected terrorist groups. Yeah. And before you think about the public order issues that may happen if some loyal British veterans mm. decide to go up against them and say, what the hell do you think you're doing? Yeah, but there's the, we, we see it time and time again, selective justice. They have the laws in place. They can use them. They don't do it because they're scared to do so. They're mm. scared of reprisals, the press coming after them, you know, what might happen. And frankly, I don't think they really want to. I think a lot of them side with these people in ideologically as well. Well, we saw this week, didn't we, that yeah. there are at least two people inside the Metropolitan yes. Police yeah, yeah. Uh, who are sympathetic, not just sympathetic, yeah. but, but quite um, actively quite activist-like about yeah, yeah. from the river to the sea. Mike, let's not also forget that when we had the Black Lives Matter protest, mm. we saw police officers taking the knee on yeah. the streets yeah. to a baying mob outside of Parliament, outside of Downing Street, disgraceful. by the Cenotaph. What yeah. on earth is going on? Now, I'm, I've never seen any of this woke nonsense in Staffordshire, and if it, Staffordshire police ever tried it, yeah. believe me, they'd hear from me very sternly. Yeah. In Stoke-on-Trent, mm. we expect law and order to be upheld. We expect our uh, Remembrance Weekend mm. to be protected and kept sacred for our community. And if anyone wants to take the law into their own hands, I expect the police to deal with it. Because if yeah. not, you are right. We're going to end up with people, innocent civilians, yeah. choosing to take the law into they their will. hands, which well, will only are, end up yeah. Yeah. making things worse. So yeah. if the police don't start stamping on this, they are going to create a vacuum. It's going and to that's get what worse. scares me most of all. That's why justice needs to be done and seen to be done, because if it's not seen to be done, people take it into their own hands. Yeah. You get retributive justice and then you get chaos. It's all purpose of having a justice yeah. system. And then you might as well not have a police force at all. Because yeah, it's very dangerous. Not doing yeah, anything. Yeah. Now, I know you're big fans of Christmas, so we're going to talk about Christmas <laughs> in a minute, but let's uh, talk as well about Mick Lynch, because Mick Lynch came out today uh, and said that he's going to be marching at the weekend. So he's not against the march. He's actually going to join the march uh, because he thinks it's time to free Palestine. And he's joined by a couple of other bozo union leaders whose yeah. names I forgot. The North Education Union. Uh, uh, oh, that's him. Yeah, one of those. Um, but let's have a look, because one of the highlights, of course, uh, of Christmas is not only the trains not running. We'll get back to that in a minute. Uh, it's also the John Lewis ad. John Lewis have been teasing people uh, with their advert for this Christmas. And I think it's actually got Christmas in it. Have a look. Ron, can I have this?
Now, that's what they call a teaser for the real... I mean, this is what we come to, right? You actually do a teaser for the real advert that's coming out. I'm quite impressed that they've actually done the word Christmas, though. Yes. Because how brave of them in this day and age. Yeah. We saw Marks and Spencer's trashing Christmas the other week, saying, you know, just tear it all up, set fire to it. You know, ridiculously, people accused them of burning the Palestinian flag, even though they... <laughs> they actually made the thing in bloody August. That I mean, was insane. You know, isn't it? And I could not believe they took it seriously. Just conspiracy theorists yeah. on Twitter. Right. It's why, madness that they bent so to that. To Somebody said oh, to me. Someone on Twitter. You know, it's so bad, what? News for, uh, bad news for Brighton and Hove Albion who play in blue and white. You know, they're obviously Zionists, you know, so somebody have to go and burn the stadium. It could be the Italian you know. flag. Yeah. Well, it could be any... I, I, I don't know. They might be on something. You can't spell Hamas or M&S. Very true. There's a joke in there somewhere. But also, what do you make of, uh, of this government uh, proposal, which is to apparently force the railway unions to run trains, regardless of whether they're on strike? Because li listening to the reaction from the unions, mm. I don't think they're going to play ball, are they? So first of all, I think it's important that it does happen. Yeah. I think it's the right step. And we should have... I mean, it is absolutely levels. the right step. And, you know, on the railways and our ambulance services, with our NHS, with our schools, there should be the minimum service levels. My concern will be how easy that is actually yeah. to enforce and make happen. Because the last thing I want to do is ramp up expectation of the public right. to only see actually yeah. that we're held hostage to fortune. Mm. So I think that the government needs to have a very clear plan of how that will be delivered. Now, look, people like myself who used to be teachers... I'll go back into a classroom for a day. Or I can't believe you used to be a teacher. To step up. You know, they like any of the teachers nowadays. I mean, every time I talk to teachers now, they're all about rejoining the European Union uh, and making sure that there's 72 genders talked about. I mean, you don't seem like that. I remember it? on the Brexit referendum, Mike, <laughs> I went in and I think I might be the only teacher in the staff room who... Uh, Probably voted for Brexit, and I thoroughly enjoyed the faces the next day. Of Did they make you sit in the corner? I had to deal with. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true though. There's no balance. That's what people tell me in teaching now. You just don't get a range yeah. of opinions anymore. I, I'm, I've been very scared to see just how dramatically it has changed. Even mm. in my short time as being a member of Parliament, yeah. to see now the over-politicisation of teachers in the classroom mm. with their pupils. You know, teachers who are now introducing themselves as literally one example I've heard. Uh, Mr, Mrs or Mooks to their pupils and then Mooks. forcing their pupils to do then forcing all the pupils in the classroom to announce what their pronouns are. Yeah. I mean, what the hell is going on but they in our schools? That, you also have the self-identification of children and yeah. the parents not being told. Yes. Teachers are completely compliant with yeah. this. It's outrageous. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, yeah. if you're a parent now of a child who's in the state school system, you've yeah. got absolutely no idea what they're learning. And in fact, it was only because of lockdown that some parents actually got a clue as to what their kids were actually doing. Because suddenly they're sitting there and going, what the hell is that? Oh, that's my homework. What do you mean, that's well, what is it? What's, what's it all about? Back to your point, Mike, about the march of these mm. three unions, of which uh, Mr Kabidi, as the head of the Not Education Union, is actually doing. What on earth is he doing on a march about Palestine when he's meant yeah. to be representing mm. the interests of teachers? What yeah. legitimacy does he have to be there? Did he get approval from his union members? I don't remember there being a ballot to the NEU yeah. to ask whether or not. Now, no. sadly, I suspect there'll be enough militant members of the NEU to vote uh, for him to do yeah. it. But mm. reality is, he's doing this using his title but actually having no legitimacy himself yeah. to actually call for this no. and he's all he's doing is shrouding the education system in more politics yeah. and actually what it needs is just getting back to the basics yeah. of here's the knowledge this is what you need to know so you can inform yourself when yeah. you become an adult of the views and opinions that you wish to hold so right it seems a cliche they're not teaching kids 
how to think. They're teaching them what to think. And, you know, you hear that all the time. But actually, when you listen to some of these kids on these marches and they're asked questions like factual questions mm. about the region and you can't an- they can't answer it. And you just think you have never been taught how to think. You've been yeah. told what to think. Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah, it would be good, actually, if they taught them where all these countries in the Middle East are that surround Israel, because most of them probably don't know. No. They're happy to go on a march, but they don't actually know where Iran is or where Saudi Arabia is, or where Qatar is, where all the money is. There was one really revealing video. I don't know if you saw it. They were talking about the chant from the river to the sea. And they were saying, what do you think of it? And these two young guys said, yeah, no, we chant it. And then the interviewer said, so which river, which sea? And they couldn't answer. Of course they couldn't. No, don't be ridiculous. They have no idea. No, and they were the teachers, presumably. Um, (laughs) Anyway, listen, uh, keep with us because you're watching the Independent Republic, Mike Graham. Coming up, uh, the panel is going to stay with us because we're going to break down the stories dominating tomorrow's front pages. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're watching the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. And now it's time for this. The World of Woke. The Spectator journalist Ross Clark has been told his local cricket club can only get funding if they show they're tackling climate change. It's got nothing to do with cricket. They have to show that they're tackling climate change. The only other way they can get any money is if they start a women's team. Now, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, uh, but poor old Ross Clark, a guy that is known to us, a good friend of the station, uh, great writer, does some stuff on Telegraph as well. He started this tiny little club in 2010 in darkest East Anglia. Uh, they play about... Um, 60 or so games over the course of the year. Uh, they're not particularly competitive. And the laugh he's got, because one of the things he asked is, is how exactly could we help the climate? And they said to him, have you thought about putting LED bulbs uh, into uh, the clubhouse where you are? And he said, he had to say to them, you know, we're so basic here that we actually don't have any electricity at all. Is that pretty green? I mean, basically, we don't use any electricity at all. But no, he still can't get any money unless they say that they're doing something to improve the climate. Absolutely unbelievable. And this is the English cricket board who only give out money if you're woke. How ridiculous is that? That is the world of woke. The world of woke. Um, people are just shaking their heads here because that's all you can do. You just go, what's happening? How is this going on? Why, why is every single body that runs anything become so ridiculous, right? It, it becomes a new religion. It does. Candice Holdsworth here, Jonathan Gullis is still here, Ben Lockman as well. We've got the front pages. We're going to rattle through them and see uh, what we've got. Um, just to carry on from what we were saying before the break there, guys, the, the Times front page has got police resist calls to ban March. So now the police are actively saying, well, we don't want to ban it. What's going on with that? It, makes, it takes me back to the Mosley marches in the yeah. 1930s and the 1960s, and they refused to shut those down on free speech grounds. But then huge crowds of people just came out, yeah. civil resistance. I mean, so Mark Rowley seems to be saying, look, there is not a threshold for a ban. We need to have a threat of serious disorder. Well, surely oh. there is that. Uh, he says uh, he can't rule it out as a last resort if the intelligence picture changes before Saturday. Well, how is he going to be able to ban it on Friday night when everybody's already geared up to yeah. go there? Mike, it's weak, weak, weak. Yeah. Excuse after excuse. The Met Police just need to get themselves together bang their heads together, come out tomorrow morning and say, this march is banned over the course of the weekend. Mm. If you want to go on the Friday, if you want to go on the Monday, fine. But Saturday and Sunday are no-goes for the sake of the nation's mental health and the 
the sacredness of this weekend. And public order, let's face it. And, you know, the police, and also the cost of it. I mean, it must be yeah. costing a fortune to police yes. these bleeding marches. Well, I, I think they're just scared. Mm. Like in, what we saw in Rotherham before, yeah. you know, they are scared of targeting or being seen to target certain communities because they know that those communities will push back yeah. and they'll make trouble for them. Yeah. And they'll pick on people they know won't push back because yeah. it's easy. Yeah. It's yeah. easy for them to do. So right. go yeah. after people. Like we saw that, you know, the lesbian nana clip. They're yeah. missing a, yeah. an autistic girl because they know that they're going to face no reprisals for that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But when there's a well-organised, very angry community who yeah. will kick back at them, they're scared. They go on the run. And that's not yeah. what you need from the police. No. You need the police to stand up to those people. This exactly has right. challenged my commitment yeah. to free speech, though, I must say. you know, it's Well, it has, because I think there is no such thing as a completely unadorned free speech. You can't just yeah. say anything you like anywhere you like to yeah. anyone you like. There has to be some set of responsibilities that goes with it. Yes. You know, yeah. you can maybe say whatever you want, but you may have to face the consequences. And you that. have to be guided by events as well. I mm. think maybe you could have total logical consistency. But I think a lot of the evidence is showing that this is maybe organized by bad actors. Yeah. And two, yeah. is it is it increasing anti-Semitism as yeah. well? I don't think there's any question that all like of that protesting, is true. Protesting is not an absolute right. No, it is. It is something that you absolutely have a right to do, but within the constraints of the law. Yeah. And therefore, Mark Rowley just needs to finally find some cojones yeah. and say this march yeah. is a band yeah. and ask the Home Secretary to gain behind him, who, believe me, she will. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely believe it. We're going to go to something lighter. The front page of The Sun. I don't know whether you're any fans of Girls Aloud. Girls Aloud making a huge comeback after more than a decade away. They've been privately and secretly recording a video uh, somewhere in North London. Cheryl Tweedy, Nadine Cole, Kimberly Walsh, Nicola Roberts, dedicated new song to Bermak, Sarah Hardy. A nice feel-good story for a change. Yes, yeah. Are you a Girls Aloud fan? Well, when I was younger, yeah. And I must say, a lot of women my age were very affected when Sarah Harding died of yeah. breast cancer. Right. So young, yeah. you know. Mm. And I must say, it did bring up a lot of awareness. I know a lot more women now do the checks and stuff than yeah, they yeah. would have because she's so young. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I don't know if I'd be going to a new uh, Girls Aloud concert, but I'm sure there are people. Go on, Mike. Go on, Mike. Sure. I'll wait till the invitation. You know, I'll go for the last song. Um, more interestingly, on the front page of The Sun, uh, is up there at the top left-hand corner, the first King speech, PM plots vape tax. Now, this is a part of his plot to, to ban smoking. He wants, yeah. to put, he wants to put the cost of vaping up so that youngsters won't start. Um, I'm not sure this will work. I'm not sure you can ban people from smoking. They'll find a way, won't they? I'm very worried about the black market, and you yeah. mentioned it earlier, uh, Mike. And look, it's absolutely right that there's too many young people vaping in communities. Obviously, some of these vapes are being uh, sort of produced and pitched to younger people, which yes. is a problem. And so I don't doubt the issue. I just don't know if this is the solution to the problem. And look, with the King's speech itself, uh, you know, the Prime Minister has outlined, I think, mostly policies that we kind of already knew, already yeah. been announced. I think there was a slight missed opportunity here to really go big and bold, because if you are mm. going to present the change candidate, mm. then you need to do things that are really out there in terms of ideas yeah. to really present that this is going to be a different type of Conservative Party going forward. So, you know, we've got the autumn statement coming. It's going to need some monumental kind of shake-up there. To it's, make gonna, it. it's going to need something a little bit more kind of glamorous and tasty than what we had yeah. today, isn't it? I ben? completely agree. I think, you know, it was limp, the whole thing. Look, you've got, you're behind in the polls. You've really got to put something forward mm. to the country to say, vote for us, you know, have some confidence. We won't, you know, we'll do some things to solve the actual issues. And what's he produced? We're going to tax vapes. Right. Oh, great. Brilliant. Very and inspiring. And driverless really. buses. Not oh, forget driverless buses. Well, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's got my vote. You know, I mean, every bus I get appears to be driven by a complete maniac. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, a driverless one might be better. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, on the front of the eye, uh, we've got Bravo and Split with number 10 on tents. As Tories accuser of leadership bid, 
She very famously earlier in the week said that she thought that people who lived in tents were making a personal choice. Lots of people said that was a horrible thing to say. Um, because he hasn't done anything about it, Rishi Sunak, he's left it out, um, people will read things into it, I guess, Jonathan, won't they? Well, look, let's look at videos of San Francisco at this moment in time. Oh. A city that should be great, mm. but is absolutely becoming a place for pro-drug yeah. making, yeah. pro-looting. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is absolutely terrifying. Democrat what's run, to, of course. A Democrat run, of course. It was yeah. that great city. And I think Swala Bravan is absolutely correct to say there are people on the streets who have had umpteen amounts of attempts from our mm. police, from our local councils, to offer them support that have rejected and turned that support yeah. down yeah. and would rather remain on the streets. And it is not right that people, when they come off a railway station at Stoke-on-Trent, are seeing tents just outside mm. the door, mm. or if they're going mm. into their high street and seeing tents lining along there, when there is ample hotels or accommodation being provided by the government through huge amounts yeah. of funding to tackle homelessness. I think the Prime Minister, to be fair, was very good at coming back at Chris Bryan, who never misses an opportunity to, no. you know, posture. It's, it's so, it's so yeah. boring. Yeah. I mean, God help us if he's in government. But, you know, this is the, you know, the, the problem is, and I think the Prime Minister was right to go through the government's record of all the support mm. that's in place. And he should have Suella Bradman's back because she's speaking for the silent majority of this country. It, it says, is a problem. Yeah, I mean, it says his senior party sources are displeased with the Home Secretary for trying to force the issue with a string of public statements. Well, surely that's her job, isn't it? I mean, you don't necessarily, I mean, cabinet responsibility and all that. But still, she's allowed to have her own ideas. Yeah. She's surely allowed to, to press for certain things that she thinks are right. And I think Jonathan raises a good point. If you've been to San Francisco recently and you've seen the problems that mm. they have there. I mean, I was there in 2016 and I was shocked. Mm. I yeah. couldn't it's believe It's actually a lot worse in Southern California because in Southern California, outside the outskirts of LA, mm. all of, a lot of the, the valleys have just got are just tented cities. Yeah. There's like 10,000 people living in a, in, a, in, in the desert. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's strange, but we, we need to consider as well how hostile this makes the environment for law-abiding ordinary citizens. Yeah. Imagine you're walking through your high street, you see these tents pitched up, you don't feel safe. And I think, you know, fundamentally, Yes, we want to be compassionate and kind to people who are vulnerable and in difficult circumstances, but you also have a duty to protect every ordinary citizen as well. And yeah. that's true. And I would say just for young people, teenagers, who've maybe been kicked out of home and stuff, if we could increase more support for them, because they are often just totally vulnerable. They don't know what to do. They go from place to place. Yeah. They're not independent yet. So I think that is one way in which we could help them more. Okay. Um, there's a lot of talk in the King's speech about sort of um, changes to, to the Criminal Justice Act and changes to, to rules of, of, of uh, sentencing and that kind of thing. But there's a story in The Sun today uh, about the Bolger family. Bernard Todd and James Bolger's parents have been barred from attending his killer's parole hearing. This, to me, uh, is one of those terrible situations where the parole board, again, just not in touch with the way that people are. They've actually come out and said that Bolger's killer... Um, you know, John Venables may actually require his hearing to be held in private uh, because it might be difficult for him to see family, vic the victims of the uh, families of the victim. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe. Who cares, it? Who cares what yeah. he thinks? Exactly. Who cares how he Well, did? first of all, he shouldn't he even be having him. a parole hearing. No, he shouldn't. He? Exactly. He should never have got out in the first place. Right. He deserves to rot behind bars. In fact, the best thing we could have done is find some island, I'm sure, yeah. got some off the Scottish coast that dump him off and forget about yeah, it, yeah. perfectly frank. I have no time for... The worrying about the feelings mm. of criminal scumbags no, that have done does. awful no. things. And, and it's worse to deny that. parents yeah. the right to say how to this day their mm. lives are still impacted mm. is disgusting. Does the yeah. parole board really want to remain deeply unpopular with victims of crime mm. rather than being on the side of perpetrators yeah. of crime? It blows my mind. It's so true. that I mean, I feel like it needs to be more weighted to the victims who are so impacted by the crime yeah. they've suffered. Mm. Um, I think it was recently the Katie Piper. She's the famous... Um, model who the acid her, attack the yeah. acid attack and she said you know knowing that he's going to be released the mm. guy who threw acid in her face 
just terrifies yeah. me. Yeah. It yeah. does. It has I, a massive I, I find impact. It very, I find it very hard to understand the mentality of these people who think that dangerous killers and dangerous yeah. criminals should be given a second chance. And worse than that, uh, Venables has been out twice already yeah. and recalled mm -hmm. twice already uh, for paedophile activity. What the hell are they doing trying to give him a third outing? I think justice in this country has become a complete mess. Mm. We've completely lost control of it. We've become too namby-pamby and soft. We care too much about the human rights of these criminals. And instead of actually focusing on the fact that these victims need closure, they need to be able to look them in the eye and say, this is what you've done. They need to be able to do that. Mm. And also they need to know that these people aren't going to get out and do it again. And I think, you know, we used to have, the, especially the Conservative Party, I'm sorry to say, but it was the party of law and order. And now it's completely lost control of it. Uh, things but, you know, I think control. that in a way that's not the Conservative Party's fault. It's actually the yeah. fault of this woke justice system and woke police system that we seem to have now inherited or created um, ever since the days of Tony Blair. Well, if you're in government and you can't change it, then what's the point of being in government? Well, you better ask Jonathan. Well, look, well look, the first thing is, we. Should, this is, I mean, today I would like to have seen us actually announcing, regardless of what happens with Rwanda, withdrawing from the European yeah. Court of Human Rights this and the Convention of Human Rights. This doesn't work in our favour. It actually undermines our own judicial process. Yeah. We should have gone ahead with uh, the British Bill of Rights to completely Absolutely. rewrite the framework of our human rights system. Mm. We have a Supreme Court. We do not need a court in Strasbourg to tell us how to govern our country. And we could have made sure that rights under a British Bill of Rights favoured victims, favoured the law-abiding citizen, yeah. and didn't favour, as they are sadly all too often for people seeing, favouring the criminals. Yeah, absolutely right. Let's finish on a lighter note, although some people will say this is very serious and very, very dreadful. British women are the joint heaviest binge drinkers in the world, an international reporter's <laughs> fan. I think I'm going to give them a round of applause. <laughs> well done, girls. Fantastic work. Splendid. I mean, at least we've won. We've got close to winning something this year. Yeah. Look, wine o'clock is important, you know. You've yeah. had a busy day. You've been looking after kids. You know, you're on. You're drinking your wine. You're on mum's net. You know, you've got a blast yeah. of steam. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> Apparently, across the world, men were found to consistently drink more heavily than women, including in the UK, where 45% of men and only 26% of women are binge drinkers. The only place they drink even almost as much as we do is Denmark. And have you seen the prices over there? Absolute yeah. fortune. Anyway, listen, great to see you all. Uh, that was very lively. Jonathan Gullis, MP, uh, back to work, I guess, tomorrow. Yeah, back, um, back ben to work. Ben as well, back to work. Ben Lockdown at the Bow Group. Uh, and Candice, thank you very much indeed. Brilliant. Uh, look through all of the papers. We'll bring you more of this, of course, uh, tomorrow. That's all from me. Uh, you've been watching uh, The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Uh, we will see you all tomorrow, once again, at 9pm. We're going to do it all again. Take it easy. Uh, it's time to say goodnight. Say goodnight. Goodnight. <laughs> there you go. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.